everybody. Musu here from Musu Writes. Welcome to another episode of The Writer's Haven. Um, It's been a while, but that is okay because, you know, as we know, life happens. And um, I wanted to come and do a special edition of The Writer's Haven. Um, As I'm editing this, I'm not sure what the title will be yet. But um, in light of everything that's going on, I thought it was important to dedicate an episode to everything such as the COVID-19 and the recent um, riots uh, due to the, you know, police brutality case of uh, George Floyd, who was eventually murdered. Um, there, there's a lot going on, like I said, and I just wanted to come on here and just provide, a, you know, just a, a space for people to listen, um, kind of, you know, learn and then apply it to themselves, however they may need to do it. So today's guest has been a guest on here before. The last time he was on here, he was you know, it was for his his work that he does as an author. So not only is he an author, um, Keith K.L. Belvin is also a family therapist and a crisis counselor. So I thought it was important to bring him back and just to talk about talk through different things. Um, he has a lot of uh, very good advice because, as I keep saying, these times are very critical. People have different ways of reacting to things, and um, I deal a little bit with, you know, um, folks who are learning how to manage stress better. So, I just thought it would be important to use this platform today to just, you know, talk to folks about how they're managing things, how to best navigate through everything that's going on, and how you can eventually just come out on the other side in pretty good shape, okay? And like I said before, people have different ways. There's no right or wrong way, I don't believe, to react to different things, but we just don't want things to get to the point where it's totally unhealthy for you and for those around you, all right? And I have not uh, recorded for a couple of weeks, just different things going on. I know with the whole COVID-19 thing, um, you know, we've been getting through that as best as we can. Um, a lot of the times, you know, you would think, wow, let me use this time to catch up on A, B, and C or to bust out, you know, such and such number of pages. Yeah. None of that has happened. (laughs) You know, like I said, it affects people in different ways and, you know, things that I thought I could knock out. I, I really couldn't. It's just, you know, things that this whole thing is just, takes you by storm and if you're not careful it can just it can wreck your world so we're I'm getting back on track um everyone else around me is learning how to get back on track so that we can continue to push through help those who may need it and help ourselves along the way all right so Keith gets into it um we have a lot to share with you this episode again um I hope you are you, you and your loved ones are doing okay and that you're staying safe. And what I will do is not only will I include Keith's contact information at the end of the episode, but I am also going to include resources that you can, that you or someone you may know may can use. All right. Um, you know, you can go to mentalhealth.gov. You can use SAMHSA. Uh, I believe there are also international resources for our international listeners. It, just simply having someone to talk to, you you just don't realize how much of a difference that makes for those of you who have not done that. Just being able to have someone hear you out, not interrupt you, not ignore you, you can just offload. 
that is probably one of the most effective things you can do for yourself right now. So I strongly encourage you to take care of your mental and emotional. If writing is your way of getting out of it, by all means, go at it and knock yourself out. But again, just wanted to share these resources with you today and this special conversation with you today. So I do want to thank Keith, who was also a family man who took time away to sit down and, and, and talk with me about these different yeah, well, things. All right. And as usual, thank you guys for listening. Minute, um, thank you, you know, for I subscribing. And I will see you guys and, you know, about different episode. things. So thank, thank you. you for making yourself available. Not a problem. I, I try to stay on the ready. And um, as a person that deals with crisis, Mm -hmm. um, I'm pretty much always ready because you never know you're going to get a call when you got to try to walk somebody down from something. So. Exactly, exactly. So how are you doing, you know, um, you being a caregiver in in times like this? How are you holding up? <laughs> I'm doing good. I go through my bouts like anybody else, but I think I tend to turn my emotion when it, when it comes. Um, I think of if I'm not where I need to be, how can I help anybody? Yeah. So I quickly get myself together and, and go from there. I um, I keep my blood pressure checked. Not that I have high blood pressure, but that's one mm -hmm. of the things that you always have to pay attention to. That's but right. I, I am, I've learned to purge. Um, I don't hold on to a whole lot. I've learned to purge it because I think I taught health all those years. And one of the first things that I would always start the year off with is teaching kids how to deal with stress. Because mm -hmm. I knew it was something that the kids had never talked about. I know their parents don't know about it. And so I just kind of know how to get rid of it and just how to place things in, in perspective. So I'm, I'm good. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. So welcome back um, to the Writer's Haven. I figured, you know, well, I had assumed that the next time we would have you on, we'd be talking book stuff, but no, <laughs> <laughs> got to change it up a bit. Um, so yeah, I, I just wanted to be, you know, very open with, you know, what we're talking about, the climate out there right now. Um, there are so many different ways to describe it. You know, it could be overwhelming, mm -hmm. it's scary, it's frustrating, makes one angry. So, you know, I would just like to talk with you on how individuals, especially those that are listening, can one, hold up, you know, through everything and just how they should gauge themselves mentally and emotionally just to, you know, keep themselves um, as healthy as possible and, you know, be helpful to others at the same time. Sure. Yeah. So, um, so let me just ask, uh, uh, the obvious question, you know, your initial reaction, um, when you saw what was going on with the, uh, the George Floyd, uh, case that opened up, what was it last week? Yeah. It's been a little over a week. I think, uh, eight days now. I think it was yeah. last, uh, Monday. Yeah. So what, um, what was going through, yeah, what was going through your head? <laughs> I think because I watch a lot of police videos, um, for some strange reason, that's how I actually wind down just looking at seeing that there's two different um two different Americas. I think um I think I got very sad, very angry, and then I was a little confused because I remember saying to myself, You gotta be kidding me that they just killed this man. And I didn't realize it, of course, until later on that you um, you heard that he passed. And I think that drove me crazy, too. Mm -hmm. And I just said to myself, did we just watch a snuff film? Mm -hmm. Because I said, this don't make any sense. But because I've seen other videos of police killing men of color, my anger just was like, 
when is this going to be enough? Like, when is this going to stop? This is ridiculous. And I think the sad part for me is because I stay in the reality. And a part of me said, okay, we'll, we'll, we'll get upset. We'll, we'll, we'll go back and forth with things. And then like all the other black folks, we'll, we'll kind of fall back into a position where it's like on to the next person to get killed because we, we've gotten too comfortable with it. And so I kind of just was like, you know, I always say my prayers and I always think about the family. And I just was like, I can't believe what I just saw. But I, I just, you know, I thought about it and said, this is crazy. Mm-hmm. And, and and didn't really understand the full extent. So of course, for me, I start looking for information over the next couple of days. Right. And when you say you stay in the reality, can you talk a little bit about that? What is that? Yeah. What, what it is, is that um, what I normally do when things are going on around me, I have an innate ability just to stay in the moment, um, being mindful of the moment. And, and, and it's kind of the way I practice my, my counseling is mindfulness therapy, is that I don't say, oh, real quick, well, you know, I start going over the past situations or I start saying, what's the implication of this? And we tend to outthink ourselves and we tend to start going all the way back and, and trying to figure out all this past stuff. I, I deal with the moment at hand. I look at what's going on. How do we deal with this right here? Mm-hmm. And then what's the best decision? Now, if I have to go back into the past to get information to bring forward, then I'll do that. Or if I now have to consider what effect is this going to have going forward? Okay, now I can take it. But I think what happens is when the, if it's too painful, people quickly want to shut it off. So they go back to past pleasurable experiences or they try to shut it off and look towards the future. Like it's going to be better. It's going to be better. No, we got to deal with this right here, right now. And that's the hard part because that means people are going to have to be held accountable. So I hold myself accountable by staying in the moment as long as I can for this much as I can. And over time, it allows me to be able to ride the wave all the way through until we can figure out what needs to happen. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, with your line of work that you do with helping people, um, you know, what kind of outreach have you experienced? Because, you know, as as we can see, a lot of these cases that are shown on the media involve African-American men. Mm -hmm. Are men reaching out to you for help? No. Um, sadly, over my time, I just became, I'll say, I just started doing this professionally where I said, okay, I'm leaving, working for anybody else. I'm going to work for myself last year. But I've been doing this for well over 20 something years because it was what I did when I was teaching. It was what I did when I was coaching, when I became a dean of students. I always counseled. It, it just took me a long time to get to the point where I was going to trust the Lord to go out and do it on my own. Mm -hmm. and work for myself. And what I found over the years with men, and I see it because I worked with a lot of young men and and, and younger boys, we're so conditioned to internalize our feelings that grown men are actually the hardest in the world to get to come to the table to open up. And then when they do, and we start to peel back that onion to things that are there, the minute that they start to get to an uncomfortable position, they fold up and run off. And they'll say, oh, I'm good. Nah, thank you. You know, listen, right, you gave me some things to think about. And they come up with all these excuses in the world and they run off. And so what I have found with that is that it is because there's so many unresolved issues that go all the way back to their youth and sometimes younger mm-hmm. from sexual abuse, physical abuse, emotional abuse, whatever, that they've grafted this, this whole mantra around that, that they actually don't 
want anybody to touch it. They don't want anybody playing with it because they believe it's directly connected to their strength. And if any woman listening will understand, as you know, that the man you see privately is not the man that his boys see. And a lot of women wonder how come he's not this way with his boys, but it's because he feels comfortable being softer with you than around his boys. It's also the reason why most men can't deal with the relationship when it, when it blows up on them, when it, if, a, if a woman is cheating or if it just goes sideways. They literally don't know what to do because they don't know who to turn to because they've kept all that in or they've only shared it with women or their moms. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you know, I think you just made some really critical points because dealing with relationships or different things, different pressures from other areas of life, you already have that going on. And then if you're turning on your TV for one thing, you know, for some type of comfort and you see these different images of, you know, brutality and abuse taking place. I mean, if anything, that can easily serve as a trigger, I think. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So when it comes to the, the rioting, you know, the looting, um, of course, some of that, you know, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, stems from hurt and anger. Mm-hmm. And those emotions are a part of, you know, natural human reaction. Mm-hmm. So, so is there a line to divide between, you know, as far as reacting to everything, what is normal and what is not normal, what is not healthy? There's no way of knowing without knowing the individuals that's doing it to know what their, what their motives are. But what we do know is that, and you just touched on it, is that anger has to find a way to ex- 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 to escape yeah. and energy can't be dissipated it just transfers so when you've been saving up anger there's people who are looting that really don't even know why they're looting right they're just, i gotta do something and there's people that are destroying things just because i gotta destroy something and then there's people that are calculating going cool this dude this i can run in here and get whatever and so there's no way of knowing it other than if you watch some of the actions you can see that there's no sense of urgency and then you see some people are strictly plotting what they're going to do how they're going to do it The sad part is when there's so much negative emotion built up, you attack the things close to you. That's why in domestic violence, Mm. you wonder how can a man beat on his wife? How can a wife beat on a husband? How can you be how child abuse? How could you beat on children? Because we attack and hurt the things closest to us. Mm -hmm. And so in a community, if you're feeling neglected, mistreated and everything else, these buildings represent other people's, um, profits other people's uh positivity i don't have none i don't care and then we look at the the terms misery loves company well it does and if i'm in pain i want everybody else to hurt why should you have and i think um uh the more that i read about it the more that it's a catch-22 because no i do not support the 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 wanton destruction of anybody's property or harming anybody but i Mm -hmm. do understand where it comes from Mm -hmm. and i think i that has been the last couple days that i have been into it with folks who do not look like me and and some that that do but more white people who look at the moment and this is this is where i have to try to explain to them you're with with often with white people compared to people of color Mm -hmm is that they will look at the moment and go, how could you tear up the buildings? How could you hurt people? That's crazy. And then what I try to explain to them is that you're looking at the moment. You're not looking what bred the moment. Mm -hmm. So it's easy to ask the question of why is that okay? No, it's not okay. But what you're not understanding is you're arguing the headache. 
Yeah. Why does my head hurt? And we got to do something about the headache. No, we have to fix whatever's wrong with the body that's causing the headache. Right. But we don't go cutting other people's heads off because our head is hurting. So I don't agree with the destruction, but I understand it. I don't agree with anybody getting hurt, but I understand it. And at the same time, we have to acknowledge that there's provocateurs yeah. who stoke the flames of that. It's saying, and you see, and I, I don't understand how people get away from some very simple understanding. When you were in junior high school, hell, when you were in elementary school, mm -hmm. hit him, hit him, hit him. Mm -hmm. Go ahead, yo. She, she, she talking about you. And then you even have people who will nudge your shoulder, nudge your right. arm forward just to get the fight started because right. they want to show. Mm -hmm. Well, now we get older, the provocateurs have a different agenda. Mm -hmm. I don't just want to see you fight. I want to see you kill each other. Mm -hmm. or I want an excuse to kill you. Or I want it, I want you to burn this building down because this building might be my own and I get the insurance money. We have no idea. But we do know that white supremacy in this country is so deep rooted, so deep, so deeply connected to the profits that are made that folks are going to kill to not give it back. Mm -hmm. And so we see this. And yeah. the sad part is the quiet folks, the folks who sit on the fence and go, oh, my God, they killed that black man. But, oh, my God, they're burning down the buildings, but make no moves. Right. So exactly. this is where we are. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, we... I heard someone um, who has, you know, their own platform. I won't uh, mention their name, but <laughs> she has a, a pretty, she has a, a pretty good platform, very engaging. Um, the other day she shared that, uh, you know, with everything going on, she's still processing. And of course we all process things differently. What she is struggling with is, you know, her neighbor happens to be white. So mm -hmm. the other day, day she was coming back from running errands she was going into her house and the neighbor who she's had plenty of conversations with in the past waved and said hello to her and she said it just took everything in her to be courteous and say hi back but she didn't want to because it's like she don't want to like it's she has a hard time not looking at every white person as a supremacist or a racist so can we talk about that a little bit sure. because a lot of people are going through that well, we're only, well, first of all, we're all in crisis um, yeah. because of COVID. <laughs> so right. we're all in crisis because of the COVID situation and then now this. Mm -hmm. So part of the, the wanted destruction and, and, and looting is because folks have been caught up in the house yeah. for going on like 10 weeks. <laughs> so yeah. you, there's, there's added variables that create it. Now, let's, let's, let's be real. And, and this is where folks really have to be honest with themselves. Any black person over the age of 40 that watched Roots was hating white people in the South. Right. <laughs> Any person under 40 that went to go see 12 Years a Slave was hating white people when they came out the theater. <laughs> and if you was white and saw Django, you came out the theater hating black people. <laughs> so because we are influenced by the things that shape what we see, and because many of us don't take the time to really immerse ourselves in the understanding of others to, to the point that we can have a conversation without it spiraling down strictly to racial lines or, or, or political lines. And we've gotten away from that. And simply because in this country, and it didn't just start with Trump, it's, it, it started right. happening with Obama even before that. Right. Everybody pretty much goes to their corner. I'm left, I'm right, I'm white, you black, and then we fight from there. I'm an independent. And I sit back and I look back and forth, but I'm a black man. And I'm a man of color who's been a man of color for 52 years, 53 this year, if the Lord allows me to get to December. 
And in that time, I've had and have white friends, black friends, Asian friends. I've had friends of all ilk. But when I say I'm pro-black, it doesn't mean that I'm anti-white. And again, being able to stay in the moment, I know that every officer isn't bad. I just had a conversation a couple of days ago with an officer that we came up together in 98 at one of the schools that we was at. And he was telling me he just got over cancer. And I turn to him sometimes just to get the mindset of an officer, right, wrong, or whatever. And I know that he has Trump supporting friends or whatever, but mm-hmm. I see this man with black children do well. So I'm able to do that. But it's very difficult when we're looking at a systematic situation where the dominant race, and, and the reason why the dominant race in terms of money stolen, I'm not going to say dominant in terms of anything else, hmm. but because they've had a 600-year head start on money and, and other things that they've stolen, they are in a position of privilege. So when you see folks act as if privilege doesn't exist, that's what gets you upset. Then when you see the situations like with, with George Floyd and, and Breonna, and God knows the names that you could run down and, 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 and so forth, right. Andrew Castillo and Tamir Rice, and just keep going. After a while, you say, y'all see it too. How come you're not saying nothing? And I think that's why, for me, I say to folks all the time, your ally should be as dirty as you. Your ally should be shedding blood when you shed blood. Mm -hmm. And I say it to black folks because I had this conversation with with some brothers the other day because we meet every Sunday. We have to force white America to recognize us as people of color and, and demand the things that we need to have given to us. But then we also have to police our own. And we can do both at the same time. Mm -hmm. Because we have to make sure that the ignorant idiots that are on our side are under control. And then when we come to the table, we have to make demands for what should be ours because we can change Mm -hmm. some of the things that's in place. They want you to do either or. Oh, how are you going to come to me and and say X, Y, Z, but yours is black on black crime. That's a quick thing they say. Black on black crime. Well, first of all, you got to educate yourself. White on white crime is real. Black on black crime is real. Asian mm-hmm. on Asian. Latino, Latino crime is real. You kill who you live close with. So stop. Yeah. Second, I found this out yesterday, is that there actually have been more white people killed by police in this country than black people. Well, that makes sense because mm-hmm. there's more white people in this country than black people. Mm-hmm. But there has been less justice. Mm-hmm. or people of color who have been killed by police and often there is no justice and then we have folks who literally throw it in our faces when they kill us which is what we saw with, with George Floyd yes and so over the time to answer your question is that we see that and we just get so fed up that it is very difficult and now because of Trump you now have the Karens the Beckys the Roberts as they're calling them who <laughs> now want to ask you where are you going or mm-hmm. ask you, why are you here? Or why are you coming into this building? And I now have to explain myself to a non-officer now because mm-hmm. I'm black. So we don't went backwards now. Yeah. And then you're asking people to be calm when some woman who, or dude who can't fight gets in your face and says, no, nigga, where are you going? Yeah. What? And right. I think that's the problem. And then the minute that we are violent, oh, angry nigga syndrome, yeah. angry black woman, angry black man, and then the law comes down on us because what do we see now? That when the police are called, it could be a death sentence. Yeah. Exactly. So how are we not supposed to be angry? Mm-hmm. It's really, you know, it's, I hate to use the word, but it's really scary because with what you just said. Very, very. <laughs> what the example with Amy Cooper in New York yes. a couple weeks ago, you know, blatant. You know what's really scary about that? Mm-hmm. Is that she knew the inflection yeah 
to get the attention of the police, not just the call. Right. Seen it. It's that she knew to go, oh my God, he's threatening yeah. me. Exactly. And that is the problem to yeah. me. Yeah. It's that, that is the problem. And then for her to put on the performance and specifically say mm-hmm. an African American man mm-hmm. is, is, is attacking me. And Where to go to? Kill your kids? Black man did it. Drown yeah. your kids? Black man did it. Out at a hotel trying to get hoes? Black man yeah. did it. It's, <laughs> always, it's, always, it's always us because you know why? Because other white people will believe it. Oh, easily. And easily. that's how we lose out because we have to prove ourselves innocent because we're guilty just by being black in the eyes of the courts, the officers, the judges, the politicians. So all we have left is God and then they've taken that from us because they don't even allow us to believe that God is black. Mm-hmm. So they try yeah. to take it from us and then we fight amongst ourselves because we don't know how to take that anger that we have and turn it outwardly into positive energy because that's difficult too so we turn it in on each other and in little little things that they do and I, when I say they I mean in white people in control and black people who are sympathizers like a pallet of bricks being left out along the lines where yeah. people are going to be protesting or and we just, and then when people go nah that's not true okay mm-hmm. well a cache of weapons was left in Chicago in the 60s and early 70s mm-hmm. for black folks to kill themselves we know for a fact that drugs was pumped into the inner cities in the in the early 70s after the black destruction of the black panthers mm-hmm. and this is where history is extremely important when trying to work with young adults to at least be able to show them a lot of what they're dealing with is not new and then yeah. this way you can try to guide them in a way that things can go in a different direction i have a young men i have a young mentor group here in Delaware that I, that I had originally created in New York. And at the detention center, that is my focus, is to try to get these young men to understand, okay, you tripped up and you ended up here. How do we get you out of this position that when you leave here, you become a threat, but not to the threat that they think, mm-hmm. a threat to where you can actually change the establishment because you've already been here. Mm-hmm. Why let this continue on and you now go to the bigger prison? Right. This is what we have to do. Use history to teach our kids while getting our older brothers and sisters to acknowledge that they screwed up and come back and rebuild those bridges that they didn't. Yes. And speaking from a historical perspective, um, of course, like you said, this is not the first time this has happened. I remember vividly, um, I believe I was in high school where you had the Los Angeles riots after the Rodney King verdict. 92. In 90, yeah, 1992. So you have that. I I feel that not much really came of that, you know. Yeah, nothing. Nothing. No, the promises weren't kept. 66, they were not. 66 to watch riots, 68 the Chicago riots, um, and there's others in between. Seven, 92 uh, was Rodney King, 2006. Uh, which one was 2006? Was that Ferguson? No, I think it was... Uh, I forget which one, 206. Then you got Ferguson. Mm-hmm. So we've had tons of rides. But if you go back and do the history, what you see is that none of the promises were kept. And so that was going to be my question, because I don't remember which one specifically, but there was a riot that took place in the 60s. I don't remember if it was after the assassination of King or of Kennedy, but riots took place. And Lyndon Johnson was forced to sign some type of order. I don't know. Mm -hmm. Um, I believe it was after the killing of King in 68. Okay. So would you say that the riots then, you know, caused that, that result or was it, you know, um, was it something else? Because angry Negroes always garner attention. Destruction of property always garners attention because you want the destruction to stop. 
And so you always offer, okay, look, if we do this, can we do this? Let's get things, let's cool the heads prevail. And then of course, when enough folks get shot because they bring in the National Guard yeah. and they try everything that they can not to have to kill a couple of people, but you're going to see over the next couple of days with this crazy president, mm-hmm. he's, and you're already starting to see it. The deaths tolls are starting to pick up. Last night there was deaths. Um, officers and a, and a civilian and then six other and six cops fired like you're starting to see the violence now starting to be returned on both sides and it's ramping up so once once a, once a few more people get killed and I'm not saying it in a passive way so please don't anybody listening don't take my tone as not unconcerning I'm just giving you the facts is that once enough people die both sides have put the brakes on because they're like oh my god I can't believe we killed this many people oh my god I can't mm-hmm. believe so many of my people die They'll come together. They'll they'll make promises. The problem is the promises are not kept. Mm-hmm. The money doesn't come back into the neighborhood. There's parts of Los Angeles. Uh, I would think I was there last in 03, and you still seen the the damages from '92. Yeah, uh, not done. Um, and in areas that are, are destroyed are normally if those people don't have insurance, other people gobble those up, and then they move the people who originally lived there out instead of making a way for the people who were. Uh, disenfranchised to be able to get that property to be able to come back in. See, that's the insidious, the insidiousness of capitalists who do not look like people of color. Mm-hmm. They will say, oh, because I have upward mobility, I'm going to swoop in, buy up those properties that y'all no longer own or didn't have insurance for, and now regentrification is in place. Well, the problem is the reason why you have wealth is because you stole it. And then on top of that, you haven't owned up to the promises that were made even going all the way back to the Freedmen Bureau when slavery ended and we were supposed to get 40 acres and a mule and a bureau was put in place mm-hmm. to make sure that freedmen who the slaves now would get the things that were entitled to them. All of a sudden, white people say, so now we're going to reward slaves? Oh, no, no, no. Mm-hmm. So all of a sudden you've seen the birth of the free, the Knight Riders and the, the, the Klan. Also what you saw is that politicians joined in and were like, oh no, we got to change this. So when you have the on the ground hit force of the Klan and the other uh, pale writers and whatever they called themselves, then you have the clergy that keep telling black folks that you can't be X, Y, and Z. And then you have the politicians and the lawmen, as well as the officers, you have no way of fighting back. And then all of a sudden they changed the laws and now black people got nothing. Yeah, yeah. we were free, but now what do we have? So right. what do we do? We went right back to the same slave master and said, can I work for you? okay, I will pay you two cents for a 20 cents job. So again, they gained, we lost, and they continued it. Mm -hmm. So you saw the same thing with redlining, and you saw the same thing with Jim Crow and other things, laws put in place to keep us from moving forward. Mm -hmm. And it's been, yeah, the same cycle over and over again. Um, So I want to get your take because another thing, it may or may not be a factor, but it's really annoying. (laughs) Out of touch celebrities, not just celebrities, out of touch black celebrities. Mm -hmm. Um, From what I've been seeing, especially on social media, you know, there was so much instigation and encouragement when everything popped off in Minnesota. Mm -hmm. But once it started spreading to other cities, you know, the, the energy from celebrities got real different. You know, it was okay for the riots to happen in Minnesota. But mm-hmm. once it came to their own city, you know, they were like, well, it's not supposed to happen here. Exactly. So I don't know. I think that's very hypocritical. Well, here's the funny thing is, why do they matter? They don't. You know why they matter? The people? Because they have money. Yeah. They don't matter. They have a, they have a skill of acting or making us believe that there's somebody else to such a degree that we enjoy 
the two or three hours that our minds are taking off of reality. Mm-hmm. Other than that, who are they? True. So the idea is that, and, and Malcolm X talked about, they will use entertainers, athletes, and everybody else to pacify us. Yeah. And so do I really care what Jay-Z and Beyonce they say? Why? Because they're rich? What does right. that mean? They got rich off their talents. Okay, I got you. And, 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 and do I care what Tyler Perry says? No, because again, he got rich off of doing what he does. Now, he hires a lot of folks. I'm not mad at that. Right. These are not lawmakers. And if you are not, and I've said this to a couple of people, is that if I don't see entertainers using their leverage to force lawmakers to make decisions, then I don't care about what they do and how they do it. I don't care how many people they employ because I'm not trying to hear you because then that means you're dining with these folks and not saying nothing. Yeah. And if you're doing it, well, I'm, I'm secretly doing it. You don't know what I'm doing. Okay, then I don't know. So then I don't know if I'm wrong. Mm-hmm. Because here's what I do know. I do know is that if LeBron James says, I'm not playing another game in LA until we address this, he'll gain attention. And if he gets 10, 15 other of the top athletes to go, we're sitting out until this thing is dealt with, they'll come to the table. They have to be willing to risk part of what they make, if not all of it, yeah. to, to get attention. See, everybody, and I, it's the Thanksgiving thing. Every, if you want to get a meal, ooh, you can get a meal on Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. You ain't getting nothing to eat on Black Friday. Right. And you ain't getting nothing to eat the Wednesday before. But Thanksgiving, everybody's offering a plate. Hell, they're giving out turkeys. Everybody's doing a photo op, feeding right. the homeless. Now, Friday morning, they shove you out the way because they need to make room for the lines for Black Friday. Mm-hmm. So where are the entertainers? Where's the church? Yeah. And I'm a man of God. I am an ordained minister. I don't promote it and, and flag it out there because I, it's just what I am. But at the end of the day, I help people every day. So anybody can find me and reach me, whatever. So the idea is, where's the church? Yeah. Where's the church saying, if you're struggling right now, if, if you're not working right now, where's the church? Where's all those tithes we pay? Mm-hmm. or they paid. I ain't paying no church, nothing. I'm going <laughs> to give it to the people that need it. Right. But I'm just saying this because what happens is we've started to put, God says, don't put your faith in man because put your faith in me because my thoughts are above his thoughts. My ways are above his ways. The problem is because we've gotten so pacified because of social media and television. We have made gods out of pastors, gods out of athletes, and gods out of entertainers. Most of them are so flawed that mm-hmm. take away the money, they have nothing. And even with the money, they still can't find happiness. So I'm not trusting that person to do anything for me. I'm looking to the professors. I'm looking to the lawyers. I'm looking to the folks who are putting in the work that requires them to have to think on a higher level. And then how much information can I get from them that's going to help me in my circles to help the people connected directly to me? Mm-hmm. And I find it interesting that with this whole COVID crisis, uh-huh. <laughs> They shut down the churches, but they kept the liquor stores open. I, well, I they're considered essential simply because spirits can be used for multiple things if need be. But it's also part of the, the overall because it's they, they say that if you close it down, people who have certain addictions may start to go other places, which create a problem. That's what they say. I don't really agree with it, but okay. At the end of the day, we had no control over it simply because we have no control over our communities. Yeah. And I think what COVID did was expose what many of us already knew is that yes. there's clearly a divide between white and black America. And then even with the disease itself, the fact that we have lack of communication 
And all of a sudden, every conspiracy in the world started being passed back and forth. From the 5G to government plot to, to from it was Wuhan, from bats to, and I kept saying to folks, and why does that matter? And you're listening to folks who ain't never been a geneticist or an investigative reporter that all of a sudden your man, mm-hmm. who y'all spent the last 10 years talking about who's better between LeBron and Stephen Curry, has now stumbled onto the plot of all plots and the Illuminati and he got all the answers. Mm-hmm. This Negro didn't even do that well in school. Right. But now has all the answers and they were so sloppy that they left it out there for him to get to put on a YouTube page. Yeah. Yeah. And you're rocking with that. Right. Okay. Right. Right. Work with that. I'm going to go to folks who I know have placed the time in, mm-hmm. who was already doing investigative reporting, who was already showing you and give you receipts by saying, here, you go study it for yourself. Right. You don't see that. And, and and now with everybody stuck in the house, everybody and their moms is on. But we're spending time TikToking instead of actually doing adequate research. Mm-hmm. That's a problem. So how can, you know, with this is so much going on with the, the different things that we're talking about. How can one best gauge through everything to come out on the other side in one piece? I know everything isn't going to be perfect, but. No, great question. Um, basically, I said this from the beginning and I said this way back in March, I think the second week into all this, when I saw where things was going for myself. And I said, if when this crisis, whenever this crisis comes to an end, if you are not a different person, you were victimized twice. Yeah. Because now the world has been put on pause. Well, it was up until these, these riots. And you now, if you have lost your job or now have to work from home, whatever your situation is, everything has slowed down. No, you're not going to the movies. No, you're not watching sports. And you know what? We're still alive. We survived, which means a lot of that we did not need. So now the real question is, how many books did you read during the shutdown? How much research did you need? Did you get yourself in position that the only thing that you needed was money for your business, which hopefully you'll be able to get if you're ever to go back to work? What did you do to move yourself into a position to be better at who you are or to give to this world in a better way because of the COVID situation? And a lot of people can't answer that because they did what they normally do. They just spend it all the time on Facebook, on Instagram, and it is what it is. And they're losing their time and they're not bettering themselves. They're not even positioning themselves next to or close to or, or in connection with people who are giving out sound information. So, yeah, everybody's on TikTok. And to what extent? TikTok is an is a, is a, is a app that was created by um, Chinese nationalists. So you're actually funding the very enemy. Wow that most people don't realize. But you know what? Anything to do with stupid dance challenge. Hmm. But now what's the excuse? Oh, well, I can't go to school. Okay, but YouTube, Google, Library of Congress has a ton of different things. There's a ton of free eBooks. And all these companies are out here now hurting that they're giving away tons of free materials and everything else that's available. Or you can even get other materials at cheaper prices so there really should be no excuses to bettering yourself it really comes down to choice mm-hmm. yeah it is all about choices always is yeah um so yeah i do want to thank you again um any other piece of advice you know especially you know with um the the weight that uh be, that black a lot of black people are carrying right now um oh wow yeah, it's just a lot. <laughs> um, no, I, I would simply say your pain is real. Mm-hmm. Don't ignore it. It's real. We're all hurting. 
and we all hurt differently. And what I, what I would suggest is that now is the time to seek out counsel. As a crisis specialist, I'm here every day telling people, reach out to me so we can talk. Let's set up a free call so we could talk because I know that people are in crisis. I get it. I understand it. Now is the time to reach out to someone like myself or someone else. Now is the time to start moving yourself closer to information that can help build you mm -hmm. up because your pain will multiply if you don't address it. That's the first thing. Second thing, turn off social media as well as the television. Limit yourself to X amount of, of things on television that are connected to the news. Turn off all local news unless you just need to get something. But if something jumps off, your phone will tell you, somebody will tell you, turn off the social media, turn off the television, get back into reading because again, it slows the brain down. It causes the brain to, to think critically and just leave social media alone because social media is filled with rabbit holes. Oh my God, look at this TikTok video before you know you don't watch 12. Oh my God, let me go watch his, this skit. And all of a sudden now you don't watch 13 and you don't waste it two hours. And just leave those two things alone. And the third thing is, if you're not a person of faith, now is a good time to consider one of the faiths. Because if you read the Bible, read the Quran, or whichever spiritual book that you want to gain, you get yourself close to, you will see that the Bible addresses times like this or issues like this, so it's not new. And then when you see what the Lord has done in those times, you can say to yourself, well, you know what? He'll see me through this or it's the Quran or the Torah, whatever, you'll see that the books prepare you for crisis. And the very, the very final thing is get some rest, sleep, allow your body to heal. And when you wake up in the morning, get excited that you open your eyes because as my great grandmother used to say, a lot of people didn't wake up today and now they're on the other side figuring out what they're going to tell the Lord. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's one thing that a lot of people, it was kind of like a shock to their entire world, just everything coming to a stop where they were forced. Yes, yes. To Very slow true. down. Great point. And they, you didn't have time to prepare. You didn't have time to plan. And all of a sudden your job is work from home mm -hmm. or your kid can't go to school or just whatever. So finances were ripped away and everything mm -hmm. else. And yeah, some people got unemployment, but a lot of people didn't. And then on top of that, the biggest thing that I'm dealing with is 30 deaths in two and a half months, uh, mm. 30 deaths since mid-March. So really wow. two, two months and some change um, directly connected to COVID as well wow. as 14 or 15 people who are either had it or are fighting through it. Mm -hmm. So this is real for me. Yeah, 101,000 is, is, is the total number that they know of. Right. About 30 people have died that are in the circles that are, I can no longer say hello to, hug and anything else since March. And all I say to anybody, forget the 100,000. I'm not minimizing other people's death, but I'm just simplifying it to give people a, a way to be able to ground themselves. If 30 people in your circles disappeared over the, the next two months, how would it make you feel? So that's why, for me, it's not a hoax, but now it also means that I have to work very hard to make sure I can help those families of the 30. And in some, it's the same family. I had a friend, my partner, he lost uh, my man and his mom. So two people in less than three and a half weeks from each other due to COVID. Mm. So I got to find a way to keep him grounded without going crazy. And that's yeah. it. So that's what you have to do is think about your own circles. And if it has not hit your circles, thank the Lord, but do not be silly and think that nothing else is out here and just ride out here and see what happens. Right. Exactly. 
All right, Keitha, I do want to thank you again. Um, you know, I want to thank you for staying so consistent with your message. You know, I see what you post and, you know, what you share. It's, it's really needed. And I really hope that people, men and women, take advantage of it. Um, because I think the, the mental health professional is so critical right now. Mm-hmm. Um, so I do want to thank you. And then, of course, you know, we will have you back and we, we can catch up with what, what's been going on as far as the writing and all that good stuff goes. No, always. I'm, yeah. I'm ready. Um, just let me know. I, I enjoyed my time here and I, I love the questions. And anything that I can help up, that's another thing too, is I try to make myself available because if we can lift each other up, and my hashtag is we can fix this. And the reason why is because I believe that. Yeah. I believe that we are the answers to the very problems that we suffer, but we have to, like Gandhi says, be the light that we want to see in the world. And that's what I try to do. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. So I want to thank you again. And um, of course, look forward to staying in touch and all that good stuff. Please continue to stay safe. Um, you and the family. Gotcha. Yeah. And I, me, I do appreciate it. Mm-hmm. Let me just tell people where they can reach me. Where they of can course. Um, if anybody's in, in, in trouble, let me just say this real quick. And, and Mushu, it's Mushu, right? I want to make sure I say that right. Yeah, you got it right. <laughs> thank you. I always try to make sure you, you say a person's name the right way. Um, Mushu, first of all, thank you to you for allowing me to be here. And I want to say this to anybody listening. Now, please understand, crisis is a a, a negative thing. But what happens is our body fights so hard to adjust to it that we don't realize that our stress level has increased. And the way that you kill a frog is that you turn the temperature up one degree at a time and the frog's body keeps adjusting until it just dies. That's what happens to people of color because we're so used to dealing with crisis that we don't realize when we're on overload until it's too late. Do not hold all that in. Reach out to me, bit.ly backslash Coach Keith. Reach out, set up a free discovery call with me. We'll figure it out. If I can't help you, then maybe I can point you in the direction of who can help you. And if I can't help you, I'm not gonna hurt you. And I'll leave you alone because we gotta be able to have these conversations and get negative energy out. Negative energy destroys the body. That's one thing. The second thing is, now is the time when you have to search out other people in your circles and connect with them. They're home like you or if they're essential employees and they're going out. They're not going anywhere once they get home. Now is the time Facebook has allowed for free rooms like this one or Zoom has given you uh, up to three people for God knows how long you want to talk. Now is the time to connect with people and start planning what your future can look like together. Start building on what your future is going to be by taking advantage of your right now. Last thing, guys, if you, my email is mrkeithbelvin at gmail.com. That's my easiest one. I'm here. I have books and all that. I'm not worried about selling my books. I just want to give you the information to reach me because it makes no sense. If you die tomorrow, trying to read my book ain't going to help you. But what I want you to do is if you're, if you're just not sure what to do, reach out. And if you, and if you can't, just reach out to Mushu and she'll put you on to me because we have to get ourselves in a position where we're moving in a positive way. If not, we'll wind up killing ourselves long before those that don't look like us will kill us. And we have to be able to fix this ourselves because we can fix this. Absolutely. And I will make sure that I share all of your contact information mm-hmm. in the show notes. Okay. Gotcha. That'd be perfect. Thank you so much. No problem. All right. So um, again, thank you. And, you know, we'll be in touch. So if anything else, um, please let me know how I can help, how I can help spread any message that you may have. Like I tell folks, like and share. I'll give you reason to support me. Just like and share. Let your people know I'm here because somebody in your circle is hurting right now. 
-hmm. somebody who knows you or somebody that's connected to you or someone that you interviewed is going through something and may not know what to do. Just let them know I'm here. If they reach out to me and they tell me your name, I got them. Because mm -hmm. that's what we have to start doing. We have to go back to what our ancestors used to do. Yeah. They could sing a whole song and, and plot their way of running away before Max right. knew what was going on. The next morning, half the slaves were gone. The other half knew they were going to get beat. Right. But they were okay with that because they were good with the idea that the other half is now free. I'll mm -hmm. die if my brother and sister can be free. Mm -hmm. We have to get back to that if we're going to actually fix this. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. So yeah, we'll, we'll go ahead and, and close out on, on, on that note. Um, yeah, I appreciate it. And uh, once I get the editing and all that good stuff done, I'll send you the link so you can go ahead and share on your platform. Of course, I'll be sharing it online as well. So, I look forward to it again. And as always, when you need